listening to the Michael Anthony Bible Teaching Podcast. This episode covers the life of Christ in the Gospel of Luke. You can enjoy more messages like this with the free Courage Matters app, available in your app store. If you'd like to request Michael for an interview, guest appearance, or as a keynote speaker for your event, click the Invite tab on the Courage Matters app or on CourageMatters.com. On August 18th, 2012, just last year, my father was sitting on the edge of his hospital bed in room 308 in University Hospital in Tamarack, Florida. The back of his hospital gown was open. My father was absolutely disheveled. He looked like he had been through a washing machine without any water in it. His hair was messed up and I was sitting behind him. He had forgotten that I was there. Mentally, he was absolutely exhausted. The terminal cancer had taken its toll on his body. Mentally, he was absolutely fatigued. The prognosis was fatal. My father did not know that he was 11 days away from his death. Spiritually, my father was standing, sitting on the cusp of eternity. But you would not know it from the words that slipped out of his mouth. He had forgotten that I was sitting behind him and there on his hospital bed facing the wall. These words slipped out of my father's mouth. I'm just like Hitler. Whatever I say, people have to do. You see, my father had a history of bad relationships, broken relationships. There was a time when I hadn't seen my father and we hadn't spoken for 15 years. I reconnected with my father after doing a search on the internet for him. My father had disowned not just myself, but his other two sons, his only other children. Ironically, I found that out when I went down to go to Florida just last year to help him. And he made me the executor of his estate, an estate in which I inherited absolutely nothing. 24 hours, just 24 hours later, at 8.37 p.m. in that same hospital room on that same hospital bed that same man my father laying on his back as I was praying with him opened his arms up wide as if he was embracing a person on top of him and he gave his life to Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior placing his right hand over his heart and I watched in amazement this amazing miracle as I watched my father I had been on in 24 countries in this world I preached the gospel on four continents and this before my very eyes was the greatest of all the miracles I had ever seen that this man who just over 24 hours earlier was saying that he was just like Hitler was now humbling himself Himself in his hospital bed as tears rolled down his eyes and a peace came over that entire room as he had the assurance of salvation as he gave his life to Christ. That was my father. I sat there in disbelief even though we had prayed and begged and pleaded with God for the salvation of his soul as it was coming. I stood there in amazed disbelief. My father had crossed over from death to life. A few days later, my dad was in that same hospital bed, frustrated, angry, 
perplexed. He was 79 years old. He had two grandchildren that he wanted to be able to see grow up. Our relationship was miraculously restored. It was as if all those years of brokenness, all those years of hardship, all those years of disagreement were in one fell swoop, just instantaneously erased. My father was frustrated that he knew that unless God intervened, he was not going to get to see his grandchildren grow up. I was disappointed that I was not going to get to enjoy a relationship with my father that had eluded me. It had eluded my brothers for all of our lives. At least I took comfort in the fact that I would see him one day face to face now that he had given his life to Christ. But a few days after that decision, my father was laying on that hospital bed and a four-letter word flew out of my father's mouth. My father had come to the point in his life prior to giving his life to Christ. I was there with my uncle and my father and they had mouths that would make a trucker blush. So one of these expletives came out of my father's mouth and he caught himself midway through his sentence. I'll never forget it. And he said, oops. I'm sorry, Lord, please forgive me. When somebody truly gives their life to Jesus Christ, there is a 180 degree transformation that takes place. Sometimes it's like a crock pot. Sometimes it's like a microwave, but it's all the time. When somebody truly gives their life to Christ, there's a 180 degree transformation that takes place. Instead of going in this direction with your mouth, with your mind, with your action, with the momentum of your life, God turns the ship. He turns your boat and you start living for Christ. You start living for God. You don't say the things that used to come out of your mouth. You don't have the impatience that you used to have before you knew Christ. Everything about you changes. It's a 180 degree transformation. It's true of my father's life. And it should be true in your life too. How is your transformation coming along? How's your 180 doing as a follower of Jesus Christ? As someone whose life has been changed, you might not even understand what I mean by that. It might be a good indication that your transformation hasn't even begun. And today can be your day. Look with me in our Father's Word to Luke chapter 6. Sixth chapter of Luke's gospel, as we continue in our Father's word, Jesus has been teaching. Now, this is an interesting passage of scripture because we're getting a glimpse of what Jesus was teaching. What was the emphasis of Jesus' teaching? How much time did Jesus spend on certain subjects, on certain topics? And this is the glimpse that we get. He's chosen the 12 apostles. He has paused as he's come down off the mountainside and stopped on a level place with the apostles around him. And this crowd of disciples, this throng of people who are listening to Jesus, the miracles have given testimony to the identity of Jesus. The demons submitting to the authority of Jesus, giving testimony to Jesus' identity. And now Jesus has gained an audience who are, of people, a group of people who are willing to listen to what Jesus has to say. This is the purpose of the sign miracles in Jesus. Not just that the miracles stand on their own. They are to point to something. Every miracle, when it's done by God, is to point to something. And I would say, not just to something, but to someone. That's the purpose of a sign miracle. It points us to the identity of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the person of Jesus Christ. And here Jesus is teaching in verse 27 of chapter 6. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. 
To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. A tunic is the inner garment. Jesus has been speaking about the outer garment. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high for he is kind to the ungrateful and to the evil be merciful even as your father is merciful verse 27 jesus says but i say to you who hear are you listening to jesus today Have you been listening to Jesus? See, there are people who hear the words of Jesus, but they don't really hear the words of Jesus. There are many of us who have given our lives to Christ years ago and should be much further along in our walk with Christ because we've been kind of listening. We've been giving him one of two ears. A heart of half devotion is not a heart of devotion at all. Jesus says, but I say to you who hear, It's interesting that Jesus says, I say to you, because it should draw our attention to the authority of Jesus' teaching. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 28 and 29, a similar situation arises and it says this, Matthew wrote, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching and the reason is given. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. You see, the scribes were teachers, but Jesus was the teacher of teachers. The scribes were not able to say, I say to you, and put their own teachings on equal footing with the law of Moses, equal footing with the Psalms, equal footing with the Proverbs, equal footing with the prophets. And Jesus is doing precisely that. He's putting his own teachings His own words on equal footing with the Old Testament. No scribe could do that. Jesus is teaching with authority. People say all the time they don't understand. They're nighttime Bible reading society members. They're reading the Bible at night, one eye closed, sunglasses on, and the lights off. When you read the Bible that way, you miss things. People all the time say, why didn't Jesus come right out and say what he wanted to say? He is saying it, but you have to be listening. You have to be paying attention to Jesus. Jesus says, but I say to you who hear, do you hear what Jesus is saying? Because the people would have recognized if they were listening, if they were paying attention, God had shown up in the flesh. God was giving them the answer to what he had promised through his servant Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 18. A long, long time before. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, beginning in verse 15, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. This is Moses speaking to the Israelites. It's promising them that after him one would come, a prophet like me. From your brothers... It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore lest I die. 
And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. Jesus is saying, but I say to you who hear. Jesus is the new Moses, the greater Moses. He's the one that was promised through God's servant Moses that would be coming. The prophet that would come from the Jewish people, a brother from among you. Jesus was that very person. And Jesus is teaching and preaching with authority. And it's not, it's not his teaching that we have a problem with. It's submitting to the teaching that gives us the problem. I remember last year studying this very particular passage of scripture, meditating on it as I was marveling at God's work in my own life, that I was able to, in full consciousness, know that I was disinherited by my father, given the opportunity to be the executor of his estate without getting a thin dime. And here I was loving this man and leading this man to Christ, not because, oh, Mike, you're such an awesome person. There was a time in my life when I hated my father. I'm not saying I had a strong disliking for my father or contempt for my father. I'm saying that there was a time in my life when I hated my father. I wished him dead. Now do you still think highly of me? Would you like me to sanitize my life or would you like me to just let you know that I'm just like you? I struggle with problems with people. I struggle with difficulties with people. My father threatened to kill me at one time, had his hands around my throat and said, I'll kill you. I know what it's like to have a difficult relationship with somebody. I also know that God is bigger than any difficult relationship. I also know that ours is a God who sets the bar high. And ours is a God who gives us power to do what we otherwise would not do. To be who we otherwise would not be. It was a miracle of God as much for him to work in my life as it was for him to work in my father's life. I, in my natural self, do not have compassion for people who, quite frankly, don't deserve the blood of Jesus. Until I remember that I didn't deserve his blood either. My sin was sufficient to send Jesus to the same cross. If there's nobody else on the face of this earth except me, I still would have been the reason that Jesus went to the cross, and so would have you. You would have been too. It's not the teaching of Jesus we have difficulty with. It's cooperation with the teaching that gives us a hard time because we want to rationalize, we want to justify, we want to explain away, we want to, but this, Lord, but as if God doesn't understand the difficulty we've gone through. But Lord, you don't understand my father. But Lord, you don't understand the difficulty that I have in my marriage. But Lord, you don't understand how many times I've gone through this. Yes, understanding, the understanding of God is demonstrated and clarified. Jesus says, I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you. Jesus, what world do you live in? Jesus invaded the world 
While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He came at the time that was appropriate, set from eternity past. It was the right time to do the right thing. And he is countercultural. Love your enemies. How do you love an enemy? Do good to those who hate you. How do you extend kindness and goodness to people who hate you? How do you bless those who curse you? Pray for those who abuse you? Are you a person who's characterized as someone who prays for those who are hostile to you? Do you pray for your boss? Do you pray for your coworkers? Do you pray for your subordinates if you are a boss? Do you pray for your children if there's a broken relationship? Do you pray for your parents? Do you pray for your neighbors? Do you pray for the nutty people? You know, I live in seven valleys and several houses down from me. There is a house that a few days ago had a huge sign on it with a big arrow pointing to the neighbor's house. And the sign said, I kid you not, bad neighbor. Now, I don't know who the badder neighbor is in that situation. But I know who I'm praying for. In the flesh, in the natural, our natural tendency is that we want justice. And we want it on our terms. And we want it on our time. We demand justice. There's a sense in which being created in the image of God, that desire for justice for retribution, for people to get their just desserts. And I'm not talking about one of Connie Schaff's desserts. I'm talking about punishment. That's in us, this desire for justice. The problem is that we forget that if we got justice, if God treated us with justice... What if God treated you with justice, absolute, pure, unadulterated justice? You'd be toast with no butter. Jesus ends the teaching here. Be merciful, even as your father is merciful. God's story in your life must be God's story in your life. The teachings of Jesus are so easy that a child could understand them. When I was looking at this passage last year, Simeon, who was then six years old, says, Dad, we read this as a family. He said, Dad, you should preach that. Because it's easy enough for a six-year-old to understand that when you are really a follower of Jesus... It should be evident, it should be obvious, there should be a 180 degree difference in the way you treat other people in your life. The execution of mercy should triumph over justice. You should be a person whose life is characterized by the execution of mercy, not punishment. See, God gives us two things in the cross. He gives us undeserved favor. That's what grace is. It's undeserved favor. The blessing of God, where God gives us something we don't deserve. That's what grace is. But God in his goodness, in his sovereignty, in his beauty, in his majesty, in his power, 
in his holiness and his righteousness, I could go on and on, doesn't only give us grace, the blessing that we don't deserve, he also withholds something from us that we do deserve. And that's judgment. That's what mercy is. Be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. Our Father, through Jesus, holds back from us the punishment that you deserve, the punishment that I deserve. That's what mercy is. Not giving to someone their just desserts. Not giving to someone what they truly deserve, but providing a pardon. The refraining from the execution of the, the hammer coming down. And that's what God did for you. If you've given your life to Christ, God demonstrated his mercy to you. You deserve, from a pure justice standpoint, to go into an eternity separate from God. I deserve to go into an eternity experiencing permanent separation from God. But in the cross, the mercy of God the Father is demonstrated that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And you can go through all of your life being somebody who's given your life to Christ, but not experiencing the power of God in forgiving other people in your relationships. There's no big deal about that. You don't need Jesus to do that. Jesus says you don't need him to do that. Verse 32, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, big deal, Jesus is saying. Woohoo! You don't need Jesus. You don't need the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit to be good to good people. What you need... And what I need is for God to do such a true work in us as a true follower of Jesus Christ that we actually are representing Jesus Christ. That the life and the power of Jesus is so resident and so present in your life that you look at your own self in the mirror, you look at the words that come out of your mouth, you look at the actions that you're doing with your life, and you recognize that this is... The mercy of God. This is the power of God. You don't want to go through your life living as a mere mortal, just professing and confessing that Jesus is Lord. You want to be somebody who really hears the words of Jesus. If a six-year-old can understand it, you can understand it too. The understanding is not our problem. That's not our problem. Our problem is one of cooperation. It's cooperating with Jesus. See, it takes humility to cooperate with God. It's no big deal to confess Jesus as your Savior. Jesus gave me fire insurance. Jesus saved my soul. Jesus sealed my eternal destiny. Listen, that's the beginning. It's like having a huge house built and going into the foyer and having all of your furniture packed into the foyer and sitting there when there's a kitchen to enjoy. And there's a family room. And here in York, there are basements. We didn't have that in Charlotte, North Carolina. 
there are basements and you can finish your basement and live there. And then you have a master bedroom and a master bathroom. There's all these rooms in your house to enjoy that you can go through. You'd be re- foolish. You'd be, be ridiculous for you to take all of your furniture and pack it up in the foyer and live there. And yet many of us live in the mere entry level of our relationship with Christ. We accept Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and we don't go any further. We're bitter, not better. We want justice. We don't hear Jesus' words about being merciful just as your Father in heaven is merciful. We read these words of Jesus and we say, oh, I struggle with that. I struggle with that. You know how you get through the struggle? You know how you get the breakthrough? You take a passage of scripture like this that says, love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great. You have to trust God. That he's the reward giver. You don't reward yourself. The world's not going to reward you. Your heavenly father's going to reward you. And his reward is bigger and better than anything you'll get this side of eternity. You have to hear the words of Jesus and you have to really believe them. You have to stop looking at the person to your left, the right, in front of you, behind you. Other people on the body of Christ, unfortunately, you can't always look at what other people are doing because you don't know if that other person is hearing Jesus or not. I don't know if you're hearing what Jesus is saying right now or not. But if you're really hearing Jesus, you will read these words that a six-year-old can understand. And you will say, you know what? Crock-pot or microwave? The 180 in my life needs to continue. I need to cooperate with what Jesus wants to accomplish in my life. I need to surrender to Jesus because only Jesus can give you a heart for people who hate you. Only Jesus can give you a mindset, the mind of Christ that he has. Jesus wants to give you the mind of Christ. We are to take captive every thought to make it obedient to God. What's happening in your thought life and your attitudes toward people? It's fascinating that Jesus is unpacking here a passage that now we read in scripture. He's unpacking a teaching that is centered upon interpersonal relationships. How practical is the holiness of our God? How practical is the teaching of scripture that it deals with the horizontal relationships one to another. It's not possible to be someone who's truly following Jesus. It's not possible to be somebody who's truly hearing Jesus. It's not possible to be somebody who confesses and professes to be a follower of Jesus Christ if there is not demonstrable, obvious, blatant, countercultural, supernatural, Change in the way you think about people and the way you deal with people. That's the way it works. Jesus sets the bar very high, but Jesus is allowed to do that. Because he gives you the Holy Spirit when you accept him, the Spirit of Christ. He gives you the Holy Spirit to do what you otherwise would not do, to say what you otherwise would not say, to think what you otherwise would not think. Jesus is the author of your 180 degree turnaround. His attitude has not changed. His marching orders have not changed. His paradigm has not changed. It's our paradigm that must change.
When you are truly a follower of Jesus Christ, when you truly hear the words of Jesus, there is not one relationship in your life. Listen, there is not one relationship in your life when you are truly a follower of Jesus Christ that is not dynamically, fundamentally, powerfully, absolutely transformed. You've been listening to the Michael Anthony Bible Teaching Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, you'll love Michael Anthony's Courage Matters Podcast, where he focuses on leadership, relationships, and world events. To learn more, visit CourageMatters.com or download the free Courage Matters app. Interested in requesting Michael for an interview, guest appearance, or as a keynote speaker for your event? Click the Invite tab on the Courage Matters app or on CourageMatters.com. In the meantime, keep looking up. There's no place else worth looking.